1: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins,
3: America. I am not a number.
4: I am a free man. Wiggins, America.
1: The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee.
5: Wiggins. Today's
2: global economy waits for no man.
5: America.
2: Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude.
5: Hey. Politics
2: is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly
3: understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to
1: Wiggins America.
3: Welcome to Wiggins America, a place where you can eat all the Cheetos you want and they don't stain your hands any color at all, orange or any other. It's amazing to be here. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoy your stay. Uh, no, no passports to be here. So, also a very, very free nation. This is Wiggins America. A great show coming up. A lot, actually. I always say that, but sometimes I'm just bald faced lying to you. This time, I'm not. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about. We're going to have a really happy segment here to open the show. Let's do that, okay? It's it's early. Let's just wake up well. Then next segment. Trisha's going to come in, our favorite cast member, because we nobody likes old Roy. She's going to come in, and we're going to talk about sadness. We're really going to take a turn for the worse, and I really encourage you to be here for it. At the end of the next segment, if I forget to tout this, uh, forgive me, we have in the studio the bird that crapped on Joe Biden this week. Believe it or not, our crack team of producers was able to track down that bird and and get it in here. It's been a lot of flapping around outside the studio, but I am—I'm—I'm uh, I'm sure that he'll calm down long enough to do two minutes on why he took a dump on the president of the United States. After that, Angela Plowhead is a congressman, or I should say wannabe congressman, congresswoman, running in Oregon. She's also a psychologist. We're going to talk about some of this grooming behavior that we're seeing in schools across the country. Very glad to be able to put a name to that because it didn't sit well with me, and now we can put our finger on why. That'll be a good conversation. Next hour, Luke Wake from Pacific Legal Foundation. Food shortages. Are there going to be some? Because the president's telling us there are. Do you trust him? Kim.com. We're going to talk about... What he's saying about the uh, information on Hunter's laptop that we can't get to yet. Very, very interesting stuff. So stick around. But first, the big story of this week. Can you pick it? What do you think is the big story? Actually, if you want to weigh in on this, please let me know because it's very much tied into the biggest story. On Twitter, seek me out at Radio Wiggins. Follow me there. Talk to me there. I leave my direct messages open in case you want to say something at any time. That's a great way to communicate because I understand this is a little bit of a one-sided conversation, but thank you for being a part of it. Um, Twitter is the biggest story this week because of Elon Musk. That guy buying Twitter, even if you're not on it, I've explained this a little bit before, that I was not on Twitter for years. And, and then I think in 2018, I finally got on Twitter and started using it for its intended purpose, which is to argue, argue politics with people <laughs> and also to stay updated on what the latest stuff is. But that is, if you don't if you're not on it, then you don't get the impact that the Twitterverse has on the news cycle. And that's why Elon Musk possibly buying it was such a big deal. Here's the latest, as far as I understand it, on the Twitter purchase. A, it's not going to happen. They used the poison pill to keep Elon from basically enriching them. He would have made them all richer, the shareholders in the company. But they value censorship so much that they actually took a financial hit so that they could maintain their power. Vanguard bought more shares. They are now the biggest stakeholder in Twitter, even more than Musk was. So that's a huge, huge news story. And again, if you're not on the platform, I get why you don't think it's that big of a deal and people are barking about it so much. But that is so much of the source of so many news stories that never break through otherwise. It's where I do a lot of information gathering. And then, you know, you go deeper, but it's where you kind of see the headlines and then you can dig in. But it, it starts there and it's that important. So we'll talk about some of this stuff this week. But like I just gave you the roundup, we got a really full show. Stick around for the whole two hours. Yeah, you can do it. we Wiggins America.
0: Call from mom. Answer it
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter.
3: And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. You ever heard this song? Nope. Trisha Seekman is in studio. This is by the Moody Blues. It's called Melancholy Man. So we did a really fun happy segment to open the show mm-hmm. but I wanted to go with something that was apropos of the topic because what we're talking about is sadness you ready for this? guess so wait let's go back up with the music
2: when
1: all the stars are falling down into the sea
0: and on the ground and angry voices carry on the wind
3: I'm looking at a study right now that says that the percent, it's, it's actually just looking at high school students. And it's looking at how many of them feel persistently sad or hopeless. The numbers, Tricia, are higher than they've ever been in the history of this poll. Can I guess? Please do. Uh, 60%. Overall, so it breaks them down into some different demographic categories, 44% of all high school students now say they are persistently sad or hopeless. It was a little high, which I'm thankful for. So almost
0: half, but on the lower end of well here, half.
3: Yeah, but, but depending on the demographic group, you're actually not too far off. Because they break it down into male, female, overall, which I just said was about 44%, white, black, LGBT. I don't know why they chose those. I mean, you could... You could kind of parse it out in a lot more ways than just Mm -hmm. that. But that's what they chose. Which group do you think was the most sad or hopeless?
0: Mm, I think the obvious one is LGBTQ, but I'm going to say female.
3: Uh, You're right and you're right. It's actually LGBT is the highest and then female. LGBTQ... 75% of those surveyed said they are sad or hopeless. Among females, it's 54%. Now, this is just high school. This is a very dramatic time, Mm -hmm. obviously. So I think these numbers are probably higher than society overall. But um, it's really telling. And obviously, it's gone up in the last two years. All the reasons in this article are things like less social interactivity, more screens, more social media. But one of them was less um, less parenting, which I don't really get exactly what that's saying, but I guess less parental involvement in your life overall.
0: Yeah, or less parental control over your communication.
3: Yeah, that's probably true. Um, then it goes down the list. Um, black is only at 39%, so lower than average. And... White is right at average, and then male is the lowest at, let's see, about 32%. So, um, But all of these have gone up very dramatically in the last couple of years, and that's, that's obvious because of the COVID and the lack of social interaction. Sure. And gosh, how important has social interaction been that we've all seen now? Mm-hmm. You never would have thought before that, you know, oh, gosh, I'd stay inside for a little while and play video games and not go to school as much. That sounds great. And then everybody's worse off. But you got a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing here with what's causing, especially if you look at the top two groups, and LGBT is way up ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And looking back over the last, since 2004, at least, they've been doing this study. They weren't asking the LGBT question until 2015. So there's a little less data there. But you ask the question, because it also gets brought up with trans people in general, and I'm kind of applying this more to just people in general than I am just high school students, but that is the study. Is it because you're LGBT that's causing you the sadness? Because the reverse is often said, especially with trans, that society is causing me to be sad. And if society would only accept me, then I would be better off. I would not be so sad or helpless or whatever is being asked of here. I don't know that that's, I don't know. Um, I,
0: I don't know either. I do know that we live in a time where we're told, we're constantly told there's something wrong. And at this point in time, we're told that there is a lot of oppression in the LGBTQ community and then the trans community. And to some extent, that's true. And to some extent, it's not. To some mm-hmm. extent, it is being used as a tool by people in charge. And in some cases, it's real. But I But we're all being told this all the time and we all have access to that. But there's not a whole lot we can do about anything. Mm -hmm. So we live in an age where I know I find myself reading this, that or the other thing. And it used to be you see something in the paper and that stunk and, you know, injustice. Now you've got people saying there's all this injustice all the time. And this is injustice aimed directly at you. You are the one who is suffering because of this injustice and there's nothing you can do about it. And that sense of hopelessness is at an all time high in a lot of Minds.
3: It's a great point. It's a great point. And actually, it brings up a point that I forgot I wanted to make even coming into the segment, which is, here's a weird comparison. Compare this to, whenever I see Bernie Sanders tweet this, I think about socialism because he's talking about socialism is going to fix all of our economic woes. Well, if I were sitting in a room with Bernie or somebody who was very like-minded, I would ask the question, are we more socialists today than we were 20 years ago? I would think the average person would say, yes, we are. There are much more socialized things, education, healthcare, especially. We're definitely spreading wealth out more than we had in the past. Now, maybe their definition of socialism is different than that, but to me, that's the definition of socialism is spreading out wealth, taking from the top, giving to the bottom, kind of bringing people up through the government. Yet, they keep citing the fact that the wage gap is worse now than it's ever been now that depends on the metric you look at too Mm -hmm. but if the wage gap is worse than it's ever been and we're more socialist than we've ever been why do people not equate those things i would look at this study and say the same thing if you're sadder than you've ever been but you have more sexual freedoms than you've ever had then why don't people connect those two dots and you're getting into deep heart issues of well Am I project, like you were just saying, am I projecting my sadness onto society so that I can say it's external, it's everybody's fault, Mm -hmm. it's society's fault, it's this big monolithic thing that I can't quite change on my own, but if we as a movement could finally change it, then I would finally be happy, so I'm putting all of my eggs in this basket we're going all in, because I think that's finally going to bring me happiness. When it's actually not society at all... It's internal, and it may be causing decisions that you're making that are causing you to be unhappy or sadder. Now, that's COVID aside, because COVID has forced that upon everybody, regardless of group, as I'm looking at this graph here. No matter what group you're in, Mm -hmm. you are identifying in the last two years as probably 10% sadder than you were before. But the trend line over the last 15, 20 years is also upward. It's more and more. Upward being downward, upward, more and more people identifying themselves as persistently sad or depressed. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if we're we're just not connecting the right dots. I understand what you're getting at. Personally, and mm-hmm. what do you think about it?
0: I don't know that it's for me personally to say if the cause and effect in that Situation. It's much
3: deeper than you can do in 10 minutes on the radio, right? I get that
0: and that is a person-by-person person thing mm-hmm. I I don't think you're completely off base. I just don't know that I I feel that I could confirm or deny
3: my yeah. feelings on that one? Yeah. Um, sorry. Well, no, it's just hard. It's hard because you know that every single person and I don't know who's listening right now mm-hmm. I mean a lot of people listening And a lot of people who probably are like-minded with what we're saying. But if you're not and you're in a situation where either you are dealing with this or, and I mean depression or LGBTQ or anything else that we're talking about, you're you're hearing us talk about these things and you're identifying where am I at in these things. Everybody's individual situation is completely different. So we're having to broad stroke this whole thing, which is what you have to do when you're talking to a large audience. You're looking at general trends, not individual things. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Like if somebody wants to email me or contact me afterwards and say, well, Ryan, you're way off because this is what happened to me. I get your individual story could be very different than the trend we're talking about. But that's the case with everything.
0: Well, and I'm seeing a trend. I'm noticing a trend that is too broad to really put point to the study's outcomes. But I've noticed that it is very popular in adolescence to be I, to identify as LGBTQ and I'm not sure that well it's more popular now than it's ever been right because it's popular mm-hmm. not because it's real necessarily in all cases mm-hmm. and I know I I know personally somebody that identified that way in middle school is now out of high school and no longer identifies that way or is non-binary, but actually just like another term for dates, the opposite gender at this point, you know, like okay. traditional, but yeah. went through this whole thing of this whole confusing who do I like? What do I like? What do I, you know, mm-hmm. and all that is fine to me. I don't care, but I'm not sure that it was 100% necessary for this kid to go through
3: that. Well, I think that's what breaks my heart about it is having kids who are getting ready to go through this. And I'm, I'm not so far, I'm not that old that I don't remember what it was like in yeah. high school. Everybody's asking those questions. Yeah. And to now, we're adding so many different elements for you to to to, to sort of sift through. Because when it was me, it was not like, am I gay or not? It was just how do I figure out like how to make a girl like me? That mm-hmm. I mean that stuff's like, whoa, this is a big yeah. deal at the time and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you dealt with the same types of things. But now it's well, now I had do I have to think about my friend as maybe my friend likes me or think about my friend sexually. That's adding a lot of pressure to a kid. And they already, speaking for myself, I don't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And now there's all these extra options. That were, pre- that were presented to kids that they're going, oh, well, maybe I, I didn't feel good when I asked that girl out because she turned me down, so maybe I'm actually gay. Well, that wasn't even on the table when I was yeah. in high school. And so we're asking a lot of questions that I think, and we're, we're putting a lot onto kids. And I think this is coming to a head with the transgender debate, specifically for K through third grade, that we're going, why are we putting this on kids at all? And you can get into... Yeah, but by high school, you actually are going through puberty. You are going through these things. And you can make case that, well, you we should be asking those questions now. And you, you were oppressed before, and now you, you, you're not. You can ask those questions. But I think especially for the transgender debates, and you're talking about a kid who may be 8 to 12 years old taking puberty blockers and saying, well, that's their choice. They know what they're doing. They've made a choice for themselves. That's too young. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. That's just... Not a decision you should be able to make at that point. If you can't choose to smoke a cigarette until you're 18, but you can choose to like lop off or change your genitals before that, I think we should probably as a society agree that's not good. We've gone too far. We've gone too far in trying to be open. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be diplomatic about this. Yeah. Uh, Okay, cool. Well, thank you for indulging me in that conversation. We'll go out with the same. Fantastic happy music since we're talking about sadness. Uh this is Wiggins America, Tricia. You stick around, we're gonna do some more. Cool? Sounds great. Okay, thanks. We get
2: it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with Odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
3: yeah I think we're the only station in the country that's landed this interview it's pretty incredible um, big interviews come along and then there are big interviews this is a big interview it's been in the news the bird that took a dump on Joe Biden this week is actually here in the studio so let's get right to this bird thank you for being here Do you have a name? Larry. Okay, Larry, let's get this first question out of the way. Was this a political hit job? No, I just had to poop really bad. (laughs) Okay, and you happened to be flying over the president when you did. Uh, I want to dig into my real factual concerns here, though. You are a bird. How have you acquired the capacity for speech? You ever heard of witchcraft? I have heard of witchcraft. (laughs) Uh, Several years
4: ago, there was this witch. She was making a potion, doing the whole bit, double, double, toil and trouble, full thing. Well, she gets to the eye of the newt part. This is a true story. She goes to grab it, no eye of newt, but I'm right there. Into the potion you go. Yep, because I have eyes. Mm -hmm. And this is what's really funny. The potion does not work. Mm. She throws a whole batch out and starts over. But suddenly, I have a capacity for speech. Due to the dark arts. Due to the dark arts, yes. And then suddenly you can speak. No, no, no. That's a common misconception. Just like any child that takes years of hearing and trial and error to learn how to speak properly as I do now, plus I winter in Havana, so as you can imagine, my confusion the first couple of years, going back and forth between English and Spanish. I can. You winter in Havana. Uh, did you ever poop on any of the Castros? Oh, yeah. Was that political? Oh, it never is, Ryan. It never is. I just had to poop.
3: Larry... When you pooped on Joe Biden this week, though, you had to know politics would come up. So I have to ask, as the only bird in the world with the capacity for speech, what are your political views? Economically,
4: I'm liberal, socially conservative. Um, I I do hate individual racism, but I support systemic racism. <laughs> Holy shit
1: American media export. Wiggins America.
3: Yeah, That was the bird that took a dump on Joe Biden this week, and uh, if you somehow tuned in in the middle of that and wanted to hear the beginning, uh, you can get that at Odyssey. You can get the app, rewind, and hear it there. You can get the podcast, which will be up at the end of this hour. More to come here in Wiggins America. All right, back, Wiggins America. Old Roy is here. Old Roy, did you hear the interview with the bird that took a dump on Joe Biden? That's crazy. How did you land that one? Uh Good question we got a huge team of producers here, as you know. Oh, yeah. It's not just me pressing the buttons and coming up with all this. And it's definitely not you pretending to be the bird. Oh, no. I appreciate you doing poop jokes two weeks in a row, though. My pleasure. We are going down that hole. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about CNN+. You're a subscriber, right? No. (laughs) Okay. That puts you among apparently... (laughs) 99.99999% 99.99999% <laughs> repeating of Americans who are not subscribing to CNN Plus. Correct. Did you hear that the numbers came out this week? It was something awful, like 10,000 total. <laughs> it's subs- actually, it's le- Roy, here's why I wanted to bring this up. Wiggins America has had a good amount of success. I mean, for being not a terribly old show, uh-huh. you know, we've had rating success Um we have a lot of growth opportunity and i, I can't get into all that yet but it, it, we're doing well and so we thank you for that thank you for listening in the morning thank you for downloading it you know all this stuff counts um per day now we're only on one day per week so i can't compare us to a, a full week or a month of cnn mm-hmm. but today according to their numbers that they released there will be more people listening to wiggins america <laughs> Than tuning into CNN Plus, <laughs> that's that is remarkable. And am I tooting our own horn? I mean, and it's another poop joke, but uh, yes, I am. But I'm also—that's how bad CNN Plus is doing.
4: Well, I I think it's a it's a double edged sword, Ryan, because Ooh. you said my name, so this must be serious. It is serious. <laughs> Because on the one hand, we're better than CNN Plus, but CNN Plus is so bad that the fact that we're a
3: little better than that doesn't make us look that good. Ooh, ooh, that's a very good point. That's yeah. a very good point. Now, now we don't have Chris Wallace or any names on this show other than us. I mean, I shouldn't say no names. Yeah, Ugh, yeah names. Well, there's you. But, uh, but we also didn't. Here's some facts that we didn't do on Wiggins America. We did not. Invest three hundred million dollars in it. True. Uh, yet we're still beating them. We did not expect to have two million listeners by the end of this year. That is also correct. We did not expect to have fifteen to eighteen million after four years. Mm, I kind of did. <laughs> we um, we did not expect to invest around a billion over the next couple years either. Yes, that is also correct. Yeah. In fact, we've invested very, very little in this. You invest almost nothing. Virtually zero. Yeah. I yeah. at least put my emotions and time yeah. into it. You you do no, nothing. I phone it in. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. I, we, th- You're one step shy of literally phoning it in. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yeah, so there will be a morning where I almost <laughs> guarantee that that happens. Uh, it's just... <clears throat> am I am I taking a victory lap here? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I don't really know that CNN Plus cares about me and us taking a victory lap. They but... better start, though. <laughs> you absolutely should. But it, it's just embarrassing. I've said this before. Donald Trump, th- these aren't new problems for these stations. MSNBC, basically every news station except Fox, was struggling even in the middle of the last decade. Then Donald Trump came along and saved all those networks. Mm-hmm. And then he became president and they existed on basically people fr- frothing at the mouth, wanting, give me the terrible news, who hated Donald Trump. And then, then he left and they all just went, boom, right downhill, faster than you could imagine, except for Fox. Now Fox took a dip, but they've come back. Um, but now we're in a spot where these stations are almost completely irrelevant and then they decide to launch streaming (laughs) I I just can't believe the bad business investment this has been for so many people well you know how
4: I don't like to share my opinions and I'm I'm pretty easygoing about things but gosh darn it I, I am enjoying how this is going to impact Chris Wallace really negatively. He he deserves every single bit of this failure. Um
3: there was a time that I would have disagreed with you. Not that I loved Chris Wallace, but I just thought he's attempting something a little bit different. He's attempting to eat, at least give the perception of traditional journalism. Not that he ever was really achieving it. Right. But he was attempting he to tried. cast that out there to the world. Right.
4: But um, he threw that out when Trump came along. He said I the heck with it! Yeah. I'm going to be the one guy on Fox who just goes all in on the anti-Trump side. Yeah,
3: and Sh- Shepard Smith. I mean, he yeah. was he was the yeah. other one. Same you same know thing. what's funny? Did you you weren't in here for this segment last week, but I did a, a whole segment on Shepard Smith. Did you hear that? No. Okay, because <laughs> that you you may be in the car. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, Shepard Smith did a whole segment on. The January sixth phone logs. Did you hear how that turned oh, out?
4: I did catch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And it wasn't just him. He just had the best one. Like, there was so <clears throat> there was so much media to choose from, of people getting that wrong. Uh-huh. But Shepard Smith, it was like he was doing what we were just doing to CNN Plus. He yeah. was taking a victory. He was dunking on them, and then he was a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. And they 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 frame these things, and it's just it cracks me up with Chris Wallace and with Shepard Smith and these people that, even Megyn Kelly to some extent. I don't dislike her, but they leave Fox and maybe there's more going on behind the scenes. I, I get it. I work for a media outlet. What we put on the air is not always what's happening behind the scenes. And not that there's like a lot going on behind the scenes here, but you know, if you're people have bad days and then you got to go on and you got to do your thing anyway. Well, that happens everywhere. So maybe there's more going on behind the scenes at Fox and that's why they these people want to leave. But that's not what it looks like. What it looks like is people who are actually leaning pretty hard left are going, Why won't they let me be harder left? And they leave and they go to a network that will let them and they completely fail. I think I think
4: that's true of of Shepard and, and oh. Chris Wallace. I think Megan Kelly just got she just thought she was the star. And she Well, she was kind of right. She landed a huge contract with NBC, but she failed. Yeah. But she still got paid. Well, she, she thought that her success would translate to people who hate everything Fox. Yeah. And it was just a, a miscalculation. But, uh, you know, I, I think she's she's come around. I think the, the little bit of airtime she gets now on things is she's it seems like she's got a little humility and she's realizing she blew it. Yeah, how could you not? Right. But I didn't have anything against her. I thought it was a mistake for her to leave Fox when she did. But, you know, with with Shepard Smith and Chris Wallace, they just, it was painful to watch them try to squirm
3: around. Yeah. Now, I don't know what Shepard Smith's gotten paid, but the mistake that Chris Wallace and and Megan Kelly made... I would probably also make <laughs> all the way to the bank because yeah. I think they both got paid pretty well to leave their spots and just based on their names. Uh, as we close here, yeah, I don't have re- anything really against Megyn Kelly either. I I would like to see, in light of the Elon Musk and Twitter news of this week, <clears throat> of course you've, you've heard this, right? Are you yes. are you so okay? No, you're not under, way yeah. outside of that bubble. I know you're not on Twitter, but right. And I am at Radio Wiggins if you want to follow me and talk to me. Um, that I would like to see more of what Megan Kelly did. Not not that she succeeded, but I I'm just appreciative that there was somebody at NBC willing to try to have somebody on in a daytime talk show who was not an avowed leftist. It failed, and I don't know that it failed because she was perceived as a Fox caricature or it's just because it was Megan Kelly, but I hope it doesn't doom everybody who ever tries that again. Cuz I like to see the the opinions out there. Right. Whether you like Megan Kelly or not, she was she was not Joy Behar, so true. Having that available, I thought was a good thing. Well,
4: I'm not going anywhere, Ryan. No matter how much they pay me.
3: Uh, that is not true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could probably buy you a hot dog and convince you to do the whole show today. Well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get lunch afterwards. Okay. Wiggins America, we'll be right back. We've been talking about this topic already this morning, but I wanted to get an expert on to give us the real lowdown. Angela Plowhead is a U.S. House candidate in Oregon's 6th, 6th District. And she's also a psychologist, and I think that's very, very interesting because what we're talking about is going on, Angela, in Oregon, but it's also going on everywhere in the country. We're talking about the indoctrination of children with gender ideologies and sexual... Uh, what? Go ahead. You, you're the expert. What would you call it?
5: Well, you know, so my problem with what's happening is that They're taking research that is applied to one specific population, and it's a very small percentage of the population, and they're applying it to everyone without regard. And there haven't been any studies that I've been able to find anyway that actually look at how applying these policies broadly like that to every single child is going to impact them. And we're doing this in the context of having out-of-control mental health issues to the point, in our youth, um, to the point that um, almost every pediatric association out there on the national scale, as well as our uh, Surgeon General, have stated that we are in a mental health crisis for our youth. You know, we have out-of-control rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, and there's no one taking a look at how all of this is actually impacting the kids in the general population.
3: Yeah, we were been talking about that very fact this morning, I was looking at a study that was asking kids over the last 15 plus years, are you sad? Do you feel perpetually sad? And that number is just going up, 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 up. And they broke it down by demographics. And we didn't intend to really have this conversation, but it went there because the highest among kids who said, I am perpetually sad are in the LGBT community. And I you know because we're just talking about overall mental health awareness we ended up talking about this very topic about what's being taught in schools so what exactly is being taught in Oregon schools that you think is going to is is a problem and how does that apply nationally
5: so you know what's being taught here is that there is really just a shift to a focus on social justice issues and away from academics so in Oregon we have some of the lowest academic rates in the nation Um, we have half of our third graders that can't read we have um, 40 to 50 percent of our graduating seniors that are having to take um, remedial courses just to take 100 level college courses And so there's been a shift away from academics. There's been a shift away from wanting to actually have accountability for kids in school um, when it comes to behavior issues. So there's out-of-control violence in our schools um, against other kids, against administrators and teachers. Um, You know, almost every week I'm hearing of um, teachers or administrators, principals and things like that in the schools that are being injured by kids.
3: Angela Plowhead is on the phone with us, U.S. House candidate in Oregon's 6th 6th District and a psychologist. What, Angela, do you think is, what's the long-term solution for this, and then what can we do in the short term to try to stem the tide here?
5: You know, I think we need to get back to teaching academics. We need to expect academic excellence out of kids. Kids thrive in structure, and when we have just schools that are so unstructured when we're teaching not just biology about you know sex sex ed used to be um when I was a kid that you know you learned about you know this is what your body looks like this is what it's going through during puberty but now it's going away from that to a focus on how to pleasure yourself sexually how to pleasure others sexually um and starting at a very young age. And, you know, I think we're getting into issues of grooming when we do that. You know, I've seen some of the materials that are in schools right now, and it's absolutely pornographic. Um, and there are laws against that. And so, you know, we need to get back to allowing kids to just be kids. Let them focus on brain development um, through academics and um, just really – taking try not trying to make them into little adults they're not they need to be at a developmentally appropriate stage, and so when we're trying to push them through that too quickly, I think we're going to end up with issues and we're seeing that we're seeing that in their mental health issues and so um you know not focusing on all of the social justice pieces at that early age. We need to allow kids to just focus on school.
3: You know, Angela, you're a congressional candidate, so you get the political side of this, but I, I want to ask you a question that's that's a little more focused on the psychologist side of your expertise. And that is, you, you mentioned that you, New Jersey students are being taught as young as first grade. and We're seeing this nationally. It's not just in one state or another, but as as young as first grade, explicit and confusing lessons about identifying as a different gender. At what age do you think that it is appropriate to talk about these things? And have we historically gotten that right? Because as far as I remember it, it was about fifth grade where some of this curriculum started to show up. But like you said, it wasn't about gender identity. It was the basic facts. Is there an age that these things are appropriate to talk about?
5: So, you know, I think for most kids, Um, gender is very stable. They identify as a boy or a girl very, very early on. It remains stable throughout their lifetime. There's such a small percentage of people that actually do have gender dysphoria that um, when we're looking at an age, I think, you know, for those kids that do identify that way um, as having gender dysphoria, then we need to allow those children Because there is a lot of research, like you you pointed out earlier, about suicidality in in those kids. Um, So we do need to get supports for those kids early on. But for most kids, that is not an issue for them. And why we're trying to make it an issue for for them is what I see as problematic. And so, you know, I I, I don't know that it ever needs to be taught. Hmm. Um, I don't think we need to teach it. For the kids that it is an issue for them, they're going to self-identify. We don't need to then force it on all of the other kids. And like I said, there's no research out there that actually says that having it as teaching for the general populace is conducive to their learning, that it's actually supportive for them, that it does anything for the general population. It only, it, the only research out there is very specific to kids that have gender dysphoria.
3: Mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying because you're going back to kind of where we started the interview here as we close the interview about applying things that are are very narrow in focus to kids who have gender issues, dysphoria, as you said, and applying them to all kids throughout all schools. And I think that's where all of us, whether you call yourself conservative or not, are going – Wait a minute! Now this is this is really in, inappropriate, and it looks a lot like indoctrination. Angela, thank you so much for being here this morning. You're running for U.S. House in Oregon Sixth, and you're a psychologist. Do you want people to find you on socials or connect with you in any way?
5: Absolutely, uh, they can find us on at Let's Fix This U.S. And you know they can uh, connect to all of our social media there. We're on all the platforms at uh, Angela for Oregon, and so you know this is going to be a very competitive. Uh, important race in our nation, uh, this uh, Oregon 6th District, um, you know, we're trying to take back the house and I think we absolutely can do it. And I think my race is one of those that can help us get there. And so, yeah, people can support us online. They can follow us on social and they can also donate there.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Angela Plowhead, best of luck.
2: Thank you. Get more at 971talk.com.